The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. LinkedIn presents. Our current culture views the world and people through a cheapened simplicity. Everything and everyone is either right or wrong, good or evil. We define people based on one thing they've said or done. Sometimes, even if it occurred years or decades ago, and we cancel them for it. This view of the world and people is reductive, essentializing, and degrading to the diversity and beauty of the human personality. Hey there, welcome back to a new episode of The Next Big Idea Daily. I'm your host, Michael Kavna, and today I'm wondering, whatever happened to civility? Treating others with respect and decency used to be a core value, one most of our parents emphasized when raising us. But somewhere along the line, between the internet trolls and the take-no-prisoners political debates, it's come to seem a little bit old-fashioned. But civility remains an essential virtue, according to Alexandra Hudson, author of the new book, The Soul of Civility, Timeless Principles to Heal Society and Ourselves. Alexandra is a writer, speaker, and educator whose own mother actually taught good manners for a living. Here she is to share some of her key insights. Part of my story and reason for writing this book is that I was raised by Judy the Manners Lady and then was disillusioned by my experience working in politics in Washington, D.C. I quickly learned that those in politics who survived and succeeded in Washington did so because of their punishing ruthlessness or extreme politesse. At first, I thought that these two modes were opposite extremes of the spectrum. I learned that instead, they were actually two sides of the same coin. They were both modes that originated from a dark place in the human spirit, a place where we are willing to instrumentalize others and do anything necessary to win. Some people, usually the younger and greener politicos, chose to be overly aggressive and hostile. The more seasoned political operators, however, were shrewd. They knew that overt aggression would only take them so far. They chose instead politeness as a weapon. This allowed them to shroud their opportunism in the appearance of altruism while disarming their opponents and disguising their true aims. My mother had always told me that manners were an outward expression of our inward character, and that's why manners mattered. And yet, I was surrounded by people who were well-mannered enough and yet ruthless and cruel. This experience helped me realize that civility and politeness were different things. People tend to use civility and politeness interchangeably while referring to manners, etiquette, and social norms, but not all social norms are equal or desirable. While politeness and manners are the form, the technique of an act, it's manners, etiquette, civility is something deeper. Instead of focusing on the form alone, civility gets to the motivation of an act. Instead of the technique of politeness, civility is the disposition of the heart that recognizes and respects the common humanity, the fundamental personhood, and inherent dignity of other human beings. Civility sometimes requires that we are impolite to others in telling them hard truths or engaging in robust debate. This mode may seem rude, but are in fact ways to truly respect others. Too often today, we reduce people to one aspect of who they are. We define them by their worst trait or decision. 
something they said or did, which they probably regret, but which, thanks to the internet or social media, has been immortalized and widely circulated. Instead, we should choose unbundling people. Unbundling is a mental framework that helps us see the part of someone in light of the whole, the bad or mistake of a person in light of the good and in light of their dignity and personhood and worth. Our current culture views the world and people through a cheapened simplicity. Everything and everyone is either right or wrong, good or evil. We define people based on one thing they've said or done, sometimes even if it occurred years or decades ago, and we cancel them for it. This view of the world and people is reductive, essentializing, and degrading to the diversity and beauty of the human personality. I've had practice unbundling in my own life. I've had to grapple with balancing the good and the bad in one of my seminal influences, Socrates. Socrates enchanted me with the rewards of the philosophic life, the world of ideas, the life of the mind, and the nobility of a life of embodied beauty, goodness, and truth. Socrates said that virtue is health of the soul and sickness is vice of the soul. Virtue is its own reward, he said, because it promotes a healthy soul. Vice is its own punishment because it reflects a soul's ill health. A life detached from the temptations of the world, Socrates says, allows us to more freely pursue the philosophic life, the highest and best life. These ideas captivated my mind and enlarged my soul. And yet, As his student Plato describes him, Socrates was a proponent of eugenics. He wanted to abolish the family, art, poetry, and music. As a humanist, a mother, an artist, I vehemently disagree with these ideas. Do Socrates' bad opinion on eugenics or banning the family or art in society undermine his thoughts on why virtue is good for its own sake or the rewards of the philosophic life? Absolutely not. Unbundling people can help us reclaim a full, nuanced, and rich view of the human person. It can help us see the part in light of the whole, mistakes in light of virtues. It can help us see our selfish, domineering nature in light of our dignity as human beings and our irreducible worth as persons. In an attempt to flee the divided nature of Washington politics, my husband and I moved back to his home state of Indiana. Soon after moving to Indianapolis, I received an unexpected invitation after church one day. I'm Joanna Taft, said the tall, socially fearless woman with a blonde bob haircut and ready smile. Would you like to porch with us sometime, she asked. This marked the first time I had heard the word porch used as a verb. For Joanna, porching is about reviving the communal living room. The porch is a quasi-public third place, a neutral ground from where people of different backgrounds can encounter and befriend one another. Though originally from the Washington, D.C. area, Joanna chose to build a life in Indianapolis with her husband. She has cultivated her porch as a haven from the hurriedness of modern life. It's a place to forge new friendships, an incubator of ideas to make the community brighter a catalyst for further cultural and communal renewal, and a venue where those who differ politically, racially, culturally can form bonds and feel seen, known, and loved. I realized that the civility of Joanna's front porch was the essential building block of civil society and, in turn, our democracy. And Joanna, I learned, is staging a revolution against our atomized and fractured world all from her front porch, what I call the porching revolution. She taught me that we can each be part of the porching revolution too. 
anyone with or without a porch can be part of healing their life, their community, and even the world. One relationship, one interaction, one act of civility at a time. Thank you, Alexandra. Thank you very much. See, politeness isn't so hard. Yes, I know civility is more than simple politeness, but I got to tell you from my experience, please and thank you go an awfully long way. So please consider leaving a rating and review for this podcast. It should only take a moment and it will help others find it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And please come on back tomorrow when we'll hear some big ideas from the New York Times bestseller, Never Enough, When Achievement Culture Becomes Toxic and What We Can Do About It by Jennifer Brehenny Wallace. Jennifer is actually going to be our guest at a live event in New York City next week, Wednesday, November 1st. If you're in the city and want to hear some big ideas on achievement culture and the future of education, you can get yourself a ticket at betaworks.com backslash events. I'm Michael Kovnat. See you tomorrow.